All right, thank you everyone for connecting. Thank you everyone who is here with us today. It's very good to see you again on this Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, today we're coming together to hear about God's word, to learn a little bit more, understand a little bit more, uh, and grow a little bit more. And with that, you know, let's start off right and let's start off in reverence with the Lord. So let's bow our heads in prayer as we prepare to receive some understanding. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful day you've given us. I thank you for allowing us to come together. I thank you for giving us the time in our days to hear this word, whether it be online, in person, or in one of the recordings. I ask, Father God, that you would allow knowledge and understanding to be amongst us, that the spirits of confusion, angst, um, and worry would be apart from us so that we would receive the fullness of your knowing and of your blessings, Lord. I thank you, Father, for all of us here and that we will all may grow as you wish and as you please. It's by your holy name I pray, my God and my King. Amen. 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 And so without further ado, today's topic will be who is God? And this is coming from a discussion I held, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, it was about an hour-long uh, discussion uh, on my podcast about how certain people will place attributes on God that do not belong. Um, most prominently, you'll see the Roman or Greek gods, um, and maybe even the Hindu gods. I'm a little unlearned about that, but. There are a lot of times where people will place certain like characteristics onto what God or a God is, even like in Marvel, right? So mainstream TV, we use the word God very lightly. But, and this will lead to us gaining a misunderstanding, gaining conceptions in our minds about who God is and what a God is, the true definition of God. So that's where this is coming from. And today I have about three verses to help us in our understanding. Uh, beginning first with God in human form, Jesus. And this verse comes to us from the end of the Bible in Revelations. Uh, that verse is Revelations 22, verse 13. I'll be reading from the NIV version, so don't be alarmed if our words don't match completely. But what is Revelation 22:13? I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. What does this verse tell us? What does this verse show us? It is Jesus himself in the vision exclaiming who he is. He is the Alpha, the beginning. He is the end, the Omega. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He says it three different ways. He says it very plain, clearly, very plainly. Who is God? God is all. God was and God is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's one of the very first things you read when reading the, the New Testament. This is who God is. Not some overdressed up man in tight silver robes swinging a hammer. That's not what a God is. He's been here since the beginning of time. He's not just long-lived. No, God is the end, and he is the ultimate beginning and the ultimate end, and therefore there is nothing without him, not in our perception, not in anything else's perception. 
Because what came before God? Nothing. And what will be here after God? Nothing. And so, that's a little bit about it. And this verse alludes to many verses that appear in the Bible. Many times there are verses saying, I am who I am. Or, this is me. God is very clear with who he is. It's not a mystery. It's not something that's hidden. You have to deep dive, like deep dive into the Bible and picking up verse after verse. No, it's very clear and God is very clear on who he is. And actually, God is so clear on who he is that I've, I've often heard people say that God is cocky. He's arrogant. That he, he's proud. And how could I serve a proud God? That befuddles me a little. What do, you, what do you mean God is cocky? What do you mean God is arrogant? How could you tell the most powerful being on this earth that when he says, I am powerful, he's being cocky? My friends, that's the truth. Cockiness has nothing to do with telling the truth. If I asked you how strong you are and you say, well, I'm the strongest here. And you won the strongest man competition. Can I call you cocky to your face? I can't. Not behind your face either. You've won that title. You've earned that title. You have that title. How can we call God what he is not? How can God call himself what he is not? Will God lie to us to appease our feelings, our emotions, our understandings? And this also comes back to the verse. God was, was here before us. God will be here after us. God willingly will be with him. But God knows what he's talking about. God's seen it all. He made it all. So I think when, when God says something about himself, it's not our place to say, oh, well, that can't be true. It is. And at the end of the day, if you don't believe it, it's not a matter. And this is a thing as well that I discussed. It's not a matter if, if you don't believe it or not, then like, oh, it doesn't matter. No, of course, this is truth. What? I'm telling to you what many others have told to you what's in this Bible, what, is, what these words are saying, what the story is about, is truth. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. It doesn't matter if you don't think you should follow it. it. doesn't matter if you don't think it applies. It will and it does. And whether or not you're on the right side of the end, when the end comes, it, that's up to you. But at the end of the day, this is truth. And God will be God always. There is no changing him. There is no altering him. Therefore, if you want to believe his words while we're here, I hope you do. I, I pray you do. Anybody who has heard the gospel prays you do. Because we know that it's impossible to make it out of this world without him. That his mercy and his truth is what guides us, what gives us strength at the end of the day. Therefore, I also want to bring up another verse. It's Numbers 15.41, also NIV. And this verse is coming when God is giving instructions to Moses and he states who he is. Because again, God states very clearly and plainly in the Bible who he is. He is not hiding it. It is not something you have to find. It's simply there for our reading. And what does the good book say? It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. It's so important he says it twice. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So not only does he say who he is, he states his intention. 
Oh God, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Many of the Israelites likely said to either Moses themselves or above. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? He says, I'm here to be your God. I am your God. Amen. He, he's not anything else. He That's simply right. is God. There is no putting him in another box. There is no categorizing him differently. It's pretty plain. I think we can agree. He says it twice in the same sentence. God is trying to let us know and them know, and because we often make the same mistakes that Israelites do. You'll read it in the Bible time and time again. Israelites do this, they're living good, they mess up. But it doesn't change who God is. Your perception, again, your beliefs, your understanding does not change who God is. Because he's the same as he was yesterday, today, and will be forever. All glory to him in his highest. And he, what is it that he will always be today, yesterday, and tomorrow? God. And what is God? Because that's the important thing. What is a God? And that was the basis of the conversation I had with you. So it took me an hour. I cut it short because I was running out of recording time. Because it, it's a lot. Who is God? It's very simple, but at the same time it's very complex. Because it's as complex as you make it. So we can deep dive into a 40-hour talk, or I can tell you in five minutes. God is God. He is good. He is great. That's it. But that's also not it. Because there's more to life. There's more to us. Because just as God is good to all of us, we all live different lives. God to me will be different to God to Nino, to God to you, to you. Because we live different lives. We need God differently. I don't think many of you have asked God to help you on your shift an hour ago. No, I was, I was on shift an hour ago, so I had to ask God with me. Right? That's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying God is doing something different. I'm saying we need him differently. When you wake up in the morning, you pray to God, or you don't pray to God, but that's you. That's you, and that's between you and God. That's that intimate relationship. Amen. And again, that is who God is. He's our right. intimate creator. He's not a creator who just made you and threw out the patent and left. No, he's there. He wants to be there. He wants to help you live the life that he made for you to the fullness he gave to you. He is not here to take away the life that you live. He's not here to take away from it. He's not here to deny you pleasures. He's not here to deny you good faith, good will, good life, longevity, purpose, strength, healing. He's not here to deny that. Oftentimes, we misunderstand that. Again, this is something people attribute to God, that he is a limiter, that he is a restrictor, that this book is just a book of, of instructions that limits us. That is not it at all. Understand that, again, God made you God was here, and God will always be here. I think he knows what he's talking about. At least what he's trying to tell me. Hey, I'm your creator. I am your God. Please listen to me. He even sent his son to, 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 to convince us. Amen. It's wild how we would refuse to. Which, again, is why I say if you choose not to believe, that's on you. But it doesn't mean it's not true. God will be God, whether you want him to or not. <laughs> That's right. And so it would behoove you to follow him, to listen to his advice. And another thing, that pleasure, that's something I struggle with personally. You have to realize and humble yourself 
sure. understand you. And that comes from intimate contact with God. Because who, who knows you better than God? Not you. God. Oftentimes we think it's us. Yes. You say, well, hey, I've been living my whole life. Who knows me better than me? The 19 years I've been here, it's been me. Yeah, but who formed you in your mother's womb? Who made you? Who's going to take after you once you pass? Who's there in the moments you're sleeping? We sleep for a third of the day, eight hours, eight out of 24. Let's do some simple math. It's a third. Because it leaves you with 16 out of 24 for those of you who can't do that quickly. No offense. I know you guys can do math, but I'm going to help you out. But for a third of your life, most of us are sleeping. It's not a bad thing. It's a healthy amount of sleep, eight hours. Again, who's there when you're not awake? God. Who's there when you're dreaming? God. So he's there more often than you are. And oftentimes we don't even give him that. Again, guys, this is our creator. This is the one who formed us. This is the one who made us. And I know to, to a lot, and this is something I spoke about uh, I think two weeks ago, the difference in understanding. This is one of the basics of the faith, knowing who God is. How can you give your faith? How can you believe in? How can you put your trust in someone you don't know? It's hard to, but God's not making it that difficult on us. Like I said, he's telling you who he is. He's showing you in that 66 book, chapter, uh, yeah, book, 66, yeah. <laughs> he's demonstrating to you who he is. Through all the stories, through all the lives, through all the different processes, through all the different aspects, God is there. And he's showing you that he's there. He's showing you that he's there for us. No matter what you're going to, through. Whether it be something like Job or Ecclesiastes, where you're crying on about the vanity of life, where you're suffering, or whether it be a good thing, like Daniel being put in the highest position, or David becoming king. See, God is there on the good times and the bad times. And you've orchestrated it. Come on. Orchestrated. But he's there with you. You made your decisions. God leaves that up to you because how could you really love something if you didn't choose to? So again, God is there. And I have one final verse for you all. And this comes from when God was giving Moses some instructions, when God was there, present. This, this is a time, and these are, these are all three different times. One is from a dream, another is from instruction, and this one is like instruction for others. I didn't intentionally do that, but they, they're different, because God shows up differently. So again, to each of us, he'll show up to you, to you, to me, to me. But he'll always be God. So Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Do we understand what was just said? God loves, maintains love, and forgives rebellion, sin, and wickedness. It's about a thousand generations deep. 
Where? Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. Again. Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. Again. Says this. That God passed in front of Moses. And he told Moses who he was. After he gave Moses the tablets to give to his people. Saying that. And this is a promise. By the way, this verse has been broken down for this reason. I'm not going to right now. Not for the sake of it. Just for time. But God promised to keep us to a thousand generations. Blessings. Mercy. Forgiveness. Being slow to anger. And then to three or four, you will forget. Because a judge is righteous. And a righteous judge has, a righteous judge has to give sentencing. That's right. You would want someone who stole from you to receive a penalty. And so God has to lay down his law. Now again, it's three or four generations that he says, I will lay down the law. But to a thousand, he says, I will forgive you and bless you. And so, I hope you can all come to understand how good God is. And it's not just him saying that he's good. Because again, this is what people have an issue with. The Lord says that he himself is compassionate and gracious. But if anyone has, here has read the, the Bible, I'm sure you would find... That you would come to think that yourself, although God is just helping you out. Because again, he's merciful and he wants to help you. God is here to aid you. He's not here to hinder you. He wants to show you what he's talking about. He's going to make it clear what he means by what he's doing. God is here in this example is giving instruction to people, to lots of people. The people who have just left a, a home abandoned and are in the desert, the wilderness. Now they have nowhere to, they're going to where they are. They're not even there yet. But they need instruction. They need to know how to live. Because if not, they'll turn to rebellion and sin. As we often do, we are no better than they are. For imagine we have multitudes of blessings more than they do. Because how many generations further down are we? It's a concept that, that many people haven't, haven't heard spoken about. As we continue to live, more blessings get poured onto us. Because if I accrue 14 blessings in my life. My father before me approved 17. I have his 17, my 14, for another 1,000 after me. And 1,000 before me. But maybe three or four where they misbehaved. But those three or four can be forgiven. The 1,000 will never be forgotten. Amen. And that's why God is good. That's why he's compassionate. Slow to anger. Not that he does not get angry. Slow And so I, I hope we will come to see God not as a Marvel movie character with a red cape. I'm the God of Thunder, Thor says. A God that is afflicted by human plight. Mind you, Jesus faced everything we faced. And Jesus is God. And so God faced everything we faced. But he did not succumb to it. Even the greatest sting of death was nothing to God. And so, we have to remember that God, although was a man, is not succumbing to the same things we are. He's greater than we are, of course. 
Could you imagine if you live your life perfectly, what it would look like? No one lives a life perfectly. I think every day we sin at least once. Not a single day goes by where you are without sin, without a mistake. And that's okay, because God forgives. God gives graciously mercy and wisdom to us all. So we may learn and expand from what we've done. But again, God, and I hope you come to know him, not as a fictional character with human lacking, but seeing that he surpasses all that because he is who he is. He is the great I am. And that's what I wanted to drive home today and last Wednesday. God is the great I am. There is no around that. Hallelujah. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it. Amen. And so with that, I'd like to open the floor to prayer requests, any admissions of guilt, anything like that. Um, Those of you who'd like to redirect yourselves on your faith, maybe, or anyone who would like to give their lives to God, even especially on the live stream, uh, anything like that is welcome at this time. Because we're here for you. I would like to request a prayer for those that they have problems um, looking for the presence of the Lord. They don't have the time. I would like to put those in prayer. So we have to come in agreement and together. Okay. Uh, Any other prayer requests or things of that nature? No. So those connected, speak now or or with your peace as we close out in prayer. Amen. Okay. All right. So with that, let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. I thank you, Father, for this wonderful day you've given us, this time together, this moment, a taste of paradise, learning and understanding. I pray, Father God, for those of us who struggle to find you in our day-to-day lives, who struggle even to remember sometimes to keep you as our lives are busy and hectic in this ever-changing, ever-growing world. I pray, Father God, um, that you would allow us to put aside things of the day, to find time, make time, and just get close to you, come to you, so that we can know you personally and intimately for ourselves. For you are our creator and you would like to be our God. So give us the time to let you be our God. I pray, Father God, for the health and goodness of everyone with an earshot of my voice so that they may receive your healing and blessing, so that they may give glory to you and your kingdom, and that they themselves may walk freely and joyfully amongst this earth. I also pray, Father God, for the mental states of the soul, so that we may continue to fight and grow strong in your name. I thank you once more for this meeting, my Lord. For it's a blessed and holy thing for us to gather together to speak in your word so freely. So it's in your most holy and blessed name I pray, my God and my King. Amen. 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 Amen.